just right right up in front okay this is this is nice <laughs> i yeah. know right it's got it's got get this it's like this voice right in my ear you're now listening to the male delilahs <laughs> <laughs> one weekend only at chippendale's review <laughs> right the male delilahs <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll come out and just soothe you into the rest of your problems and then <laughs> you're on your own <laughs> yeah it's funny because when I start shroop, when I start like recording these things, sometimes I'm like, man, I actually, I sound pretty nice. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna just, you know, record commentary over like just any event. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I always thought it would be really fun to launch a podcast wherein you, the whole point was that you could start a movie. At like there would be a a point at which in the podcast we're like we're gonna we're gonna count down three two one and then hit play on your movie, you know on Netflix at the same time I start doing commentary, and then it would just be like the recording would just be you were watching a movie with like two or three other friends who were just like making fun of the movie. It'd be like Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Right, right, yeah, yeah. But with um, would you do it with classics or just just anything? I did, I don't know. I just think it would be then. such an interesting idea to do that because I'm sure that exists. It's such a simple idea. It feels like it has to exist somewhere already. Yeah, yeah. People need more inane thoughts from. I just think for a whole world others. of neckbeard guys, you the know what I mean. They don't have friends, and this is the closest thing to <laughs> friends they could, they might get. Right, right. This is this, this is just for their own salvation. This is not. Uh, <laughs> this is to keep the band together. Like. <laughs> Bring in, uh, bring in Charlie and the boys, and we'll uh, we'll we'll talk we'll talk over the Golden Girls for an hour. <laughs> See if that doesn't rile up the masses. Oh my God! Uh, today on the Madness Continues podcast, we have Shrew Kareem, uh, who's a buddy of mine. We we did Edinburgh together last year. Shrew as a uh, touring with a really cool show that he was just telling me about before we hit record on here. Uh, what it's, talk about the show for a second because it's been going on for a little while, right? Yeah, we started this uh, this little show up called the Outcasted uh, Comedy Tour, and we started this back in October of last year. We have done six shows so far. Two, our second one in Chicago was just last night, and we did one in D.C., one in New York, two in uh, San Francisco, and uh, they've all sold out. So they've been amazingly, amazingly uh, a fun thing to do, and just the response we've gotten is, it's been. Right, it's been very nice because uh, it's something that we just as uh, three comedians. It's myself, uh, Sabine, and AK Agunbiade. Agunbiade. Um, Agunbiade. He's uh, he's he's not Italian, but <laughs> <laughs> he is now, according to this podcast. Um, uh, no, he's it's three of us, and uh, we originally did a show together in San Francisco, which uh, went really well, and so. Like a couple of years later, AK had an idea of like reforming uh, this group, and just he wanted to get the band back together. Yes, uh, <laughs> Neckbeards and Sabine <laughs> Neckbeards. Re- rejoined, um, and then we, uh, yeah, we just decided like, hey, we'll we'll start in Chicago, do a few other cities, and just keep it keep it going. It's like uh, it's nothing it's nothing that's locked down ahead of time. We're like, hey, we're doing five cities over the next three months. Like, well, no, it's whenever we we all. Our, our our schedules align and like you know the planets just get in front of each other and help us create this uh, this date that we all lock down on and we just make it happen. That's cool. Yeah. How long have you guys been doing this tour? This this version of it. 
since since October. Got so, it. Yeah, okay, the, the it, tour is just. It's it's sort of never ending. Um, it's kind of you're just on a. This is a just continuous. It's like cats. It's just gonna run for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> It'll. It's just getting renewed by our own volition. So it's, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you um, know, with this administration, I feel like there might be a lot of opportunity for this to continue. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> that might be part of the the. Uh, why we've been getting such great responses, <laughs> um, but no, that, that's an idea we've had in taking Outcasted to smaller towns, um, where there's not a huge majority of uh, of either South Asians or Muslims or anybody uh, really of color in that vicinity, and yeah. then trying to see like how that works. That's have you because all the cities you named are like major cities. Have you tried going to some kind of like secondary or third market or something like 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 Grand Rapids, Michigan, which isn't even that. I mean, it's the second or third biggest city in the state of Michigan, I guess. Right, like, right. But it's it's not that tiny. But it's still. I mean, like Mike. I think my relatives. I I don't think I met one brown person the whole time I was in. There's certainly black people. <laughs> yes, but, they have their own comedy show too. I. I noticed. I forgot what it was called. I walked by it in Grand Rapids. <laughs> uh, I actually tried to uh, get booked on it. And, and they were like, back. sorry, you're not dark enough. Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> it, so you're not dark enough. <laughs> we're not going to throw you in front of um, our, our own collective here. So, <laughs> Oh, man. Um, but no, uh, yeah, we, 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 we've uh, we've dis- discussed it. Uh, we really want to take it to these smaller markets and um, just get people out that have really, like you said, have not seen yeah. anybody of color uh aside from like you know who they're supposed to be angry at on the tv so it's it's really interesting too because i think that i watched this documentary on netflix the other day called it's called meeting the enemy or something like that which is a rather aggressive title for a documentary but it was about it was a uh a muslim um documentarian and she was staying with and meeting white supremacists in the united states and this took place just before, during, and just after the Charlottesville shit that happened. Right, right, right. And, which was crazy, because she didn't plan, I mean, obviously she didn't plan on that happening. It just was like, that happened while she was- Is this an Airbnb gone wrong? Yeah. Yeah, she was just on vacation and picked the wrong town. Right. Um, that Not that weekend. Uh, they were like, it's funny, because she, in the documentary, she's like, yeah, I checked to see what was happening, and they were like, oh, we have a couple of events. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm kidding. She, so she was following these guys- who were, who, and I say were because they, they, at the time that she met them and yeah. she was interviewing them, they were white supremacists and they were really, um, to be perfectly honest, ignorant assholes. Like, and she, she would talk to them and they would say these just ridiculous things. And then after she spent weeks with them and she would like, and she was so nice, she was so, she was a super nice person. And then she would finally be like, okay, do you still think that? Like, if you were trying to create an ethno state in the United States, they would have to get rid of me. Would you want me to leave? And it was fascinating because, uh, like, uh, almost all of them were like, no, I wouldn't want you to leave. Like, you're a totally nice person. And then after, like, they started talking about it, they'd be like, well, you're the first Muslim person I've ever met. And I think that is so fascinating that, like, these, because you're not, it's like, there's so many people in the United States who have never met somebody and, who actually looks different right. or or ha- is a different religion or any of these things. Right, right. And, and yeah, that's what it comes down to is uh, if you try and speak to someone that is just com- vehemently anti-immigration, uh, just anti, um, you know, anti uh, 
just bringing other people in. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So let's call a spade a spade. You're talking about my grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, grandpa Lemon. Uh, let's, uh, you have it on the table. <laughs> um, no, they, they haven't really had a chance to to hang out with someone like that. And yeah. then, you know, that's when they find out like, oh, you're, you're into the same bullshit as I am. Yeah. And, Wait a um, minute. You like Marvel comics? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> You've been caught laughing at the Big Bang Theory too? Like, okay, wow. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah, you know, the, 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 bridges, uh, the bridges collapse. Uh, the lines are not, are as, uh, as distinct anymore. And, and they get a chance to be like, oh, well, maybe I'm just an idiot this whole time. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I didn't know. Yeah. I think that there's something really to that, though. Like, Did uh, they denounce any of their yeah, it's, ideas yeah, by yeah, the they, time she left? They really do. And um, that was what was so interesting in the documentary because I kind of went into it. I, I have a, I have a um, kind of a... I don't know how to describe it. Like, I don't like a lot of progressive people. Does this make sense? Yeah, like, yeah. people who are, who are really... Um, I think we've talked about this a little bit before, like in when we were in Edinburgh, because what was weird about going to Edinburgh was that the whole progressive liberal, um, whatever miasma that's going on yeah. in the United States, that's not occurring in Scotland. No, no, no. And it's... so for the first time in a long time, I was like, man, I don't feel weird social pressure to like try to value, you know, um, what, a, what do they call it? Virtue signal. Right, I, don't, right. I don't feel this weird social pressure to virtue signal all the time to show that I'm one of the good ones or something oh, like yes, that. Yeah. See, that's that's your whole whole appeal of having an ethno state is that you don't have to deal with any of that. You know, you you know the people that are around you and they know you, and you don't have to prove yourself to be one of the good ones. And so, uh, by the, the end of this, we're only, <laughs> we're, we're, we're gonna like we're gonna only, meet ourselves. I, the only reason I might be for an ethno state is to know that my white neighbor is an asshole, not because he's white, but just because he's an asshole. Just because he's an <laughs> asshole, exactly. That's when your personality is more important than what you look like. So. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> to speak on the, the other half of things. I don't know how I ended up doing that. Oh, my God. That's funny. Um, well, so anyway, so so I kind of went into this with a chip on my shoulder because I was thinking to myself, this this woman is going to – it's going to be the same like making fun of – not making fun of, but like pointing out – like, listen, poor, poor, ignorant white people are not – you can't expect a lot out of them. <laughs> like, and I – and I think like it's wrong to give them a pass. Certainly, like it's like it's, you know. And I'm not. That's not trying to forgive any kind of like. If you're a fucking Nazi, you're a fucking idiot. Like period. Yeah. And it's it's just. But I was a, I was concerned that the documentary I was going into was going to present these ignorant people in a way that was uh, more like. Look how wrong they are. We're right. They're wrong. We're right. Uh-huh. And what ended up happening was that she kind of had a lot of sympathy for them. And I really, and it wasn't condescending sympathy. It was like, these people have never met a different person. They're almost all of them poor. They're almost all of them from communities in the United States that have completely been destroyed oh, yeah, by yeah. economic pressures. Exactly. They don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, and they no one is talking about any of their problems. And so they feel like they've been alienated. And as a result, like they've developed this idiotic mentality of like, well, if we just made it about us, then the, our problems would get attention. And that's kind of what a lot of them like end up doing. And it's sad. And then after she t- talks with them and spends time with them, 
they end up admitting things to her like they're like, oh, well, I've never met somebody different from me before and you're very good. And and then like later, because the documentary spanned obviously a long time, she has these epilogues where like one of these guys was one of the chief PR officers for like like one like Aryan Nation or something. <laughs> this guy quit his they, job. They have a chief. Yeah. PR, PR officer. Yeah, okay. and can you imagine what that job must be like? <laughs> I mean, do you, you come into work and just put down your thermos. <laughs> You put you put up your Hitler bobblehead, and uh, you know <laughs> you log in to you know whatever computer you're using. Just catch up on all, on all your emails. Yeah, it must be difficult to buy a computer designed and built by only white people. <laughs> you don't have a lot of you don't have a lot of options. You you don't. Um, maybe compact might roll over. Right. They already did. Um, oh my um, god. But. But yeah, that, that, I just find that very, very amusing. Yeah, so this guy who was the PR guy, he quit his job, and then he sent her, uh, they Skyped like, later, and he explained to her that he was like, you know, after meeting you and really like thinking about this, I thought, I, I can't be a part of this anymore. <laughs> and I, it was kind of beautiful, because you were like, yeah. wow, this is really like, it turns out that all you have to do, like, all you really need to do is be patient. And like, all she did was listen to these people. Yeah. And all they did was explain their stories and stuff. And I thought that was, I was just really fascinating. Um, so I, I just encourage you guys to, to check it out. Um, that, that reminds me of, uh, so I, I grew up in Oklahoma and that's, uh, you know, it's a hotbed for all kinds of conservatism. And, uh, did you really grow up in Oklahoma? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a story I've been running with for this long <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's, too far i'm too i'm too, too deep into, into this it. lie yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> to turn around now uh yeah i grew up in oklahoma uh after my family immigrated from bangladesh to the u.s when i was about two why did they choose oklahoma uh great question um we didn't initially stake our land in oklahoma <laughs> that, um we didn't watch far and far and away and just thought like hey tom cruise can do it <laughs> what's stopping us um, this Irish asshole can do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, we originally we we came to uh, Jersey, uh, being the gateway of all immigrants in this country, and uh, started living with my cousin's family. And they uh, moved from Jersey to Houston, so we we went with them. And uh, after being in Houston, uh, my dad had a friend in Oklahoma City uh, who invited him to come up, and they had like a you know sort of like a business plan going that they would uh, join forces and work in the same pizza place got it um and then that's why we ended up relocating and uh me questioning everything about my life <laughs> did from that, that point on so did he he did he worked in the did he own the pizza place like he eventually did yeah eventually he started uh working in a pizza restaurant uh, my mom started working at mcdonald's yeah yeah and then um he eventually ended up buying the place uh, that he worked at so um good for him yeah um that was uh that was the beginning of our uh, of our italian legacy <laughs> for family from bangladesh um it just seemed like we were laundering money every night like why what, why are we making pizzas this is not this is not our thing bangladeshi pizzas they, what was the right. name of the pizza place uh pizza house oh nice yeah did yeah. he have the just the one location? Did he end up making get there, more the, locations? We, we ended up um, making more than one location, but uh, I think we just we changed hands and uh, went into different names. Like Pizza House evolved into Pizza Land, and then um, nice. We, we had a competitor 
who bought out one of the pizza lands and since you couldn't use the same name just had somebody hack off the d on the end pizza land pizza lane pizza lane <laughs> so it was, so the, the petty mafia wars of pizza oklahoma lane. city yeah oh my god there's a not, there's a lot of comedians from oklahoma though there are yeah um there's there's quite a few um in in chicago and um they're uh they're dylan all, scott dylan scott um <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess that's that, it. That's it. All right, no. <laughs> that's the end of the list. Uh, uh, Dylan Scott. Uh, damn it, Jacob. Jacob Lowry. Jacob Lowry. Yes. Yeah, yeah yes. I was gonna say he's a big because Toby Keith is from Oklahoma. Toby Keith. Yeah, I'm from his hometown. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's uh, not Oklahoma City. It's more. Oh, okay. More Oklahoma. Uh, our water towers has home of Toby Keith on there. Wow. And I Wow. I, 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 <laughs> oh my I, god, really? Right, right. I'm I'm more ash- I'm more ashamed of like that than any tornadoes that come through. Oh my god, home of Toby Keith. Home of to- Toby Keith. Tokiko. Tokiko. Tokiko is his uh company and I know that because at a company I worked at previously we did some work with Toby Keith's company. Really? Tokiko. Tokiko. Yeah. Wow, that's uh, that's un- unfortunate. <laughs> Jacob Lowry's a funny comic. I haven't seen that guy in a while. Yeah, um, who else? Um, there's uh, I'm just I don't know why I'm going blank. On I don't know. I, was, I met a couple of them the other day, also. Yeah, um, and some new people too who are all from Oklahoma. It's just strange. I just is interesting. Heather Heather McKinley. Oh, I don't know. Am I just making up names now? It could be. That sounds like a white girl's name though. Who does comedy? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, not, you're you're not gonna even fact check she's this. In, yeah, yeah, she's in that uh, she's in that improv group, the, you, the Yes Andersons. The Yes Andersons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too, that's that's really good. I like that. <laughs> uh, so like you guys are doing going going around and doing the tour. Also, I never got to. Yeah. The, sorry, I never got to yeah, the you, point. Not I was really. To but go ahead. <laughs> um, being in Oklahoma, having all these uh, businesses, we had uh, like a very conservative customer base. And we never really had issues with anyone. Yeah. Honestly, uh, even after 9-11, um, we had a couple customers that just would yell at you to go back to where you came from. But uh, I think they were just volatile to begin with. Yeah. And But the rest of the time, it was just people that were really cool. And uh, they just, once you have a chance to, like, speak to them, they're, they're pretty much down to earth. Yeah. And it's just... I think a lot of them were were very fascinated to get to know a family like mine or just any family uh, of of an immigrant descent. Yeah, and well, I think yeah. it's fascinating because I think that there's two things that come to mind. The first is that you're never going to get rid of idiots and assholes. Like they're just always going to exist. The, yeah, they're they're global. And yeah, it, yeah and it doesn't. The, every culture has them, yeah. and it doesn't matter. And so it's weird because sometimes. One side or another on Facebook will be like, can you believe, and they'll post some story about something, and it'll be like, can you believe that this person did these things? And it doesn't matter what it is. Right, it's, right. It's it's all, you know what I'm talking about. And I'm always like, I just feel like this guy could just be a total jackass. Like, and we, we don't need to build this into like a bigger, you know, this is all, this is the problem with American culture. This is a problem with conservatives. This is a problem with white culture or black culture right. or liberals or... It doesn't have to be anything. It's just like sometimes people are just rude assholes, and they just say and do rude asshole things. And it could be because they had a bad day. And right, exactly. But the first thing you'll see, you'll notice, is like the person's accent or the person, totally. You know, the way they're dressed yeah. or 
um, obviously the way they look too, but um, just that's what catches your your perception first. Yeah, like I there was um, you know you can I just think it's like you you somewhere inside of you in every person is like you uh, maybe I don't know if this is true maybe it's just me because I'm a I'm a trash person from Detroit but like (laughs) (laughs) but I think like selling yourself short I mean like I knew every type of person growing up like like Dearborn I grew up right next to Dearborn I grew up in Plymouth Canton Michigan which had a uh, Catholic churches Protestant churches Unitarian church it had two mosques it had a hindu temple it had a sikh temple and it had a buddhist temple all all in the same town all in the same strip mall. it had one of the largest hindu temples in america although yeah all in the same strip mall <laughs> <laughs> one-stop shop for... oh my god that's so much more accurate than you think it is that's <laughs> like that's, that's so that's so true like the sikh temp- temple was literally like in a strip mall uh-huh, and uh-huh. like but I, I mean at first and then it grew and they had to they ended up buying a building for it but that was one the, of the weird the, the largest uh, hindu temple in in the states I don't know if it's the largest in the states, but it's definitely one of the okay, largest. I nice. knew that, yeah. and uh, and it's a beautiful temple, and uh, it's it was fascinating because there were so many different ethnicities and religions in the same area, and that they were all growing it in different ways and in different rates. Right, right. That like it was not unusual for. Um, like when I was a kid, the first thing that happened that was weird was that like all, this Muslim population that was weird. It wasn't weird to me. It was just weird in the community. It was because right, right. the first time this happened that the Muslim community was growing from Dearborn mm-hmm. and they bought an, an, an unused a, a former Christian church and converted it into a mosque, basically. Right. And that was, like, really weird in, like, 1997 like or right, whatever. Right. Like, nineteen Religious gentrification. Yeah, I think it was 94, 95 when that happened. Yeah, yeah. And it was, yeah, this is exactly what it was. It was, like, religious gentrification, kind of. And then it happened, like, three or four or five more times because d- different, you know, the Sikh temple needed a new space yeah yeah and there were so literally there were just so many people were catching sick fever (laughs) they were getting sick bro (laughs) yeah you know what they say seek and you shall find are you okay with it you bumped this like three times i'm good i'm good boom in front of you (laughs) um so but then after like the third or fourth time that that happened it wasn't news anymore. It was just like, and and the everybody was so much a part of the community yeah. that there was no conversation about it. Mm-hmm. And um, I I was um I was a member of diversity council in high school, and it was just fascinating to see that like, uh, it was just kind of accepted. You know what I mean? Like I forget exactly why I was getting into this whole. Uh, this People whole just grew school. accustomed to. People just grew accustomed to it, yeah. and then everybody kind of was just a member of the community. Oh, right. I remember why now. But like, so I knew everybody, and yeah. you knew everybody's, you knew every, you knew everybody's things, and you knew what. And this sounds terrible. You knew what you could say that would hurt people a lot. Oh yeah. Oh, and yeah. in a, and in a hot moment when you were, a, you know, a twelve-year-old kid, you might say some really hurtful shit to somebody because they, you know, beamed you with a baseball in like the parking lot or something like that, or who knows why. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody carries around that stuff inside of them where they know I could say this stuff and it will hurt this person. And you don't ever say those things because you care about people who are around you in your community um, until maybe you have a really fucking terrible day and and you get laid off from your job. Right, right. And then, like, you just have this anger and your choices are I can go home and, like, punch a pillow and maybe you've never been taught how to deal with your emotions properly exactly and then you you know and then you just see somebody who you just say the terrible thing to and like it's not always because and i'm saying like i don't think we should give people a pass for being fucking racist or something you shouldn't do that but like 
what I'm saying is there's assholes and it's not always about some larger thing. It can just be about the smaller thing where this dude's just an asshole. It can just be very localized. Yeah, you're and, just yeah. A, this dude's just a, a jackass. Right, right. And like, anyway, so that's the first thing I was gonna say. The second is, um, it's fascinating because I think a lot of Americans who have who, you know, their parents came here or their grandparents came here, uh-huh. and they are not immigrants, but they have this really unique relationship to an immigrant story. And they almost want to know other immigrants because it feels like it keeps something kind of alive. It, yeah, it does. It's 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 all about um, going for a better life. And uh, once once that thread is is the commonality between you and another person, then of course, I mean, you're gonna you're you're gonna agree on so much more than you anticipated. Mm. And uh, you know, going back to your to your philosophy here about like everything being localized. Uh, the Aryan nation just must be having continuous bad days. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's like if, if you're in, if you're in the Aryan nation and you're like, you're, you're all about just uh, standing up for, for your own specific race and you want, you know, you want to just create something individual, individualistic, but of this entire group. When, when do you get to have fun? What is your version of just enjoying life? Like, you have to wake up every morning and, and just, just be hate. so mad, <laughs> right? Just, right? Yeah. I don't get that either. Like, I just can't. Like, then they post pictures of themselves with like guns and shit, and they're like, "Yeah," and I'm like, "Man, how weak do you feel <laughs> that you need to just be like, look how tough I am, like all the time?" I don't get it. I, I'm told, I'm yeah, I'm in total agreement that like you must just, you know, you must just be so, like, what else do you do with your time? And it's not just, and I hate to say it, because it's not just the right wing people who are you know, f- fucking Nazis and stuff. But it's like on the other end of the spectrum, like I have friends who wake up and the first thing they do is listen to like the Young Turks on their <laughs> phone. Turks. That's the first thing they do. They don't They don't get up. They don't look at their spouse in the face right, and, right. and kiss them and say like, I'm so happy to be with you. Yeah, yeah. They wake up, they get out of bed and the first thing they do is open their phone, go to YouTube and listen to the last Young Turks video that was pro- posted uh-huh. and just hate that not everything is equal. You know what I mean? Like it's so it's the same kind of weirdo. Like I like what do you where where does this train get off? Like <laughs> that, yeah, that, that's an excellent. I mean, you're trying to you're trying to converge both of these just co- uh, uh, conflicting ideas and just find some sort of middle ground where you're like, okay, um, you're not cool with me being in this country. I'm not cool uh, with that tattoo you have in your face, <laughs> but um, maybe you know we can uh, we can just help each other out. Yeah, like, maybe you we know, can chill just a little bit. Let's just chill a little bit, like you know. Just I don't know. It's it, it's that's that's the, that's the hardest point to come across. That you know you're you're just you're you're this person and you're you're struggling. You're struggling with with so much that you. You have uh, you have no intention of admitting, yeah, and you're funneling that into this this quasi political belief that that just all it does is just bring you further down. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it makes you feel less. It's it alienates. I I think that it alienates. It's the same thing that like people who like sports teams too much. I feel like I exactly. F- it's a similar yeah, kind yeah, of like yeah. You don't. We, you have such a weird or low sense of self. Yeah. That like you you have to co-opt this identity from some other place. Right. Right. In order to try to understand yourself. Yeah, because you you know you want to you want to punch, uh, you want to punch somebody in the face just because they're wearing a different mascot. Yeah. Um, and 
that becomes and sometimes a that good mascot is just black skin, <laughs> black skin. <laughs> or, or, or white skin. <laughs> they were the away team for some time. Um, I think I think white people have almost always been the away team. I, right. I hate to say that. <laughs> that is that is true. It, we it, we have very <laughs> we, have, we have a very small patch of home turf. <laughs> But yeah, it, it just it just comes down to like, all right, you're you're picking a, a symbol uh, for your cause, and uh, a lot of times the, that symbol is needed because people are not listening to you. Yeah, you know, and and that comes from the side of uh, of black people, uh, comes on the side of uh, of Muslims, on the side of um, uh, LGBT. Oh yeah, um, just you, know, you need you need something to identify the cause with. Uh, otherwise, no one's going to pay attention. Yeah, and that's that, that's the shame. And, and that, maybe, that it comes and maybe you aren't. Maybe you, maybe you as an individual, you you yourself are not even going to pay enough attention. And that's what right. scares you. Right, right. Is that you want yourself to take it seriously because of who knows why? And huh. and I mean, once you rally behind that, it's cool, and you you have something. Uh, but but at the same time, like you got to you got to see it from the other side and 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 look at who you're actually delivering your message to. Mm. And if it's somebody that is just, you know, just spilled coffee on themselves. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, you cut them a break. You, they're going to see you whole, like a whole different person. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, it's just, this is all fascinating stuff, man. Um, I think, uh, I want, I'm curious to know. So you, uh, so you're from Bangladesh or originally you were born there. Yeah. And have you, do you go back? Do you visit your family over there? I do. I, I still have family over there. Um, I haven't been back since 2010, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, it's I, I've been I've been there a few times, but it's uh, it, it's been a long time since I've uh, I've gotten a chance to go back, and um, it's just I, I bumped it again. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Sharoop is gesticulating and talking with his hands, and it's running into the boom for the mic that's hanging out in front I, of I, him. I've just knocked over several appliances already. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so uncontrollable. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've been wanting to go back. It's um, it, it takes a lot to just schedule it and like plan out a trip over there and take time off. And um, since starting comedy, that's just that's been on several back burners. Mm. Um, but yeah, hopefully, sometime in the future. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. You should do. I would be interesting to do comedy over there and see what that's yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. Uh, India is going through their own comedy boom. They really are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I'm aware of that only partially because um my friend and guy who I friend slash kind of mentor and guy who I started comedy with in Detroit 16, 17 years ago, J. Chris Newberg, mm-hmm. toured with Russell Peters, and he goes over to he did a show in Jakarta. He did a show. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and it was, f- I mean, he posted a photo and it was actually fucking insane. How yeah. many people came out to see the show? And Jay Chris was, and it's all in English. Uh-huh. Yeah, and yeah. Jay Chris was like, I had no idea that there were so many people. And Russell Peters is like unbelievably famous over there. Yeah, he's got a like a huge global market. It, bigger, uh, yeah. bigger outside the U.S. than in it. Absolutely, I would say. Yeah, yeah. And he, uh, that's a lot of times you get more money just performing overseas. Yeah, it doesn't you, than surprise you would me at all. Doing a whole month of club shows here. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. surprise me at yeah. all because, like, that's kind of well. One, I talked with this about uh, uh, to Bert about this a little bit. Right, right. With like going over to every time I've done stand up in France, in Iceland, in the UK, 
um i've gotten paid i've got i've gotten paid even at like basic really basic shows yeah, like yeah, where yeah, it's yeah. just we're in a basement and there's 10 people uh-huh. they're like here's five pounds here's five euros right, whatever right. that's never happened in the city of chicago <laughs> that's never it's happened i could count on one hand the amount of money i made at, at, at any show besides ones i've produced in the city of chicago <laughs> this is how far it's gotten i uh Unless it's at a club, let me back up. I Zanies is all and the Laugh Factory. Uh, well, right, right. Laugh Factory, not really, but Zanies has always paid me. <laughs> club, yeah, club shows um, are more likely to uh, to compensate you for your time. Uh, I, I was going to say, like, it's gotten this far that I just booked a show in October called "You Might Get Paid." <laughs> that's the name of the show. That's the name of the show. It's oh like, man, that's it's already good. up front. Like, hey, you might not walk out of here with uh, with any sort of money for this, but. Uh, that's what you signed up for. So, um, that, you know, you know, it's 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 just like the dynamic of this of uh, this the market you're in, and uh, in a, in a community well, in a city where uh, there's just so much going on, there's so much comedy uh, consistently. Oh yeah, like you're, it's hard to like monetize that. Oh yeah, you know? there's um, there's this the supply and demand problem. Exactly, and then in somewhere in you know a village in Bangladesh. Uh, who, who's probably not seen laughter or heard what laughter is for quite some time. <laughs> oh man! And I'm speaking this from you know experience because uh, every picture you take with your family member, no one's your family members are smiling, but anybody in the community who who wants to be in the picture, nobody's smiling. Oh, like, it is, oh, it's, 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 a, it's an interesting, uh, uh, it's, it's an interesting dynamic of uh, of just like of of photography or just like capturing somebody's. Uh, candid moment they're like they're not they're not laughing no yeah so once you do a show in another country uh where there's not this uh predominant uh, force of just entertainment just yeah. constantly punching you in the face then it's like okay well, now we can get money together and like pay for these performers and yeah um actually you know compensate them for their well it's more of a i feel like it's what's fascinating what seems like it makes sense to me is that like in the united states and and really i I think especially a city like chicago um anybody who's gonna go to a comedy show they have everything you they have everything they need like nobody here is i mean like there's i don't mean to say this in a way to ignore the homeless plant problem in chicago but like there are not a hell of a lot of people in the city of Chicago who are struggling to get to make ends meet in terms of like we can't get enough food or something like that. Uh-huh. Or we can't get like we can't we literally can't afford to live in our place. Like you most people who live in the city who are you know active at all it, can pay their bills and have enough to eat. They're not starving. They're not like the the problems that people deal with are like we're all, all getting by. Yeah, yeah everybody's yeah. getting by, and all of their like like Maslow's foundational hierarchy stuff yeah. is like more or less handled. So the problem becomes like entertainment mostly, and like what do you do with your time outside of like I got these problems handled now? And so you got Netflix and you got like all this stuff, and so all of that space becomes just more pedestrian because right, it's just right. always available. The and content then, is there. The content is always there. Yeah, yeah, versus I think like in other places, like even in even in first world countries like Iceland, where it's like it seems like it's more of a celebration and the kind of like people are used that's how they think about it. Like I'm gonna go to this comedy show yeah. because everything else is already handled. It's not like a it's it's just I think there's a psychological difference in the way that people oh, interact yeah, yeah. with it. For sure. What was your uh, what was the experience like? Like in Iceland 
compared to Scotland for you? Yeah, that's funny. Um, we should probably talk a little bit about our, our experience in Scotland. Yeah. I thought you had a great time because I, I, I had a phenomenal time. Like, um, uh, Bren being the brainchild of this, uh, <laughs> yeah, this was, uh, yeah, this was a once in a lifetime opportunity and, and um, really grateful and happy to have done it and just getting, getting in that mode of, uh, w- what we all want to do is just, you know, comedy on a daily basis. And that's what it turned into. It was like, it was a, it was, it was a grind that none of us are really used to, no matter how often you go up, especially in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Um, this is like a whole, you know, like I did it for a week. Um, you were there the whole month, but just going up every night and just, you know, reworking stuff, rewriting stuff, writing new stuff. Going you had back. a ton of stuff that I thought came out of it that I, that was all hilarious. I think. Yeah. Yeah. A good, a good chunk, uh, is still with me, uh, to this day. And you, you can't do that until you're thrown out there. Yeah. You know, you, until, or not even in another country until you get on the road. Yep. You know, it's, it's something I, I still, uh, tell other comics about. And yeah. I tell them like, Hey man, get, get out of, get the fuck out of Chicago. Yeah, you definitely need to get out of Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not saying that cause this goddamn open mic list is 50 names deep. <laughs> <laughs> Partly. Yes. But, uh, also, uh, you know, go out there and perform on different so many sense of humor, different yeah, audiences, different audiences. You're going to learn so much more about your own comedy. Yeah. Punchlines that work well here that won't work elsewhere. Yeah. And I, and vice versa. Like it's very bizarre. Like I've done, um, I had this joke that I did. I don't really do this very much anymore, but it was a joke I did for a while. And the joke was I came out to my parents and then like that sometimes gets some applause. Like I'm like, okay, guys, big news. I came out to my parents finally. <laughs> and then you've heard this before, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just, just, just the, I'm also chuckling at the people like, you know, timidly clapping. Oh yeah. <laughs> your, yeah. your bravery. Yeah. Oh, it's so brave. Yeah. And I'm like, I came out to my parents. I thought they had to know the truth. I was like, mom and dad. I'm straight. <laughs> and I looked up and just saw appointment in my dad's eyes. Like, and it's, it's so ridiculous because if I do that joke in the city of Chicago, people yeah. are like, what are you trying to say? Or something <laughs> wait, like wait, this. Wait, <laughs> yeah. But if I do that joke outside of Chicago, people think it's hilarious yeah, because yeah. it's just inverting the whole narrative of what coming out is like. Exactly. Yeah. People are always trying to read in, in the city of Chicago. Like, what is your, like, what's this guy saying? Like mm-hmm. with this material. And it's so bizarre to me because I feel like, I, I think it's cool that we laud comedy as kind of a, a like this has only happened I think in the last like ten to fifteen years but like we laud comedy as a kind of um, like your it's like a philosophical you're like making there's an intellectual component that people are like making statements and right. drawing attention to things uh-huh. like and that's a result of the Daily Show and last week tonight and like yeah yeah when when you're when you're combining current events yeah. With with humor, and I think people, at least in major cities, or at least in in the United States, here in Chicago, uh, uh, they expect that kind of thing. But a lot of it is, and it's like Bert said, it's like it's entertainment, and sometimes that entertainment becomes art. But it's like just fucking. Sometimes a joke is just a goddamn joke. It's man. just a joke. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I'm not yeah. trying to say anything with it. And like what it's Freud said, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. And you're like, just right, right. It's I, I don't know. There's something unique about it, and that's and in a weird way, that's kind of how Edinburgh felt. Was like, I any of the implications I was trying to make from my material, nobody cared about or got. And right, they they didn't really uh, embrace 
preachiness. No, they didn't. All. They hated any of that. Yeah. They didn't care about what your hot take on whatever was. Right. Like what your. <laughs> they just wanted to hear you tell the goddamn joke. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's fundamentally, I think, what uh, separates international comedy from American comedy. Oh yeah. You know, international comedy. It sometimes does bring you back down to basics, where it's just a joke. Yeah. You know, just just deliver. Uh, you know, deliver your setup punchline. Um, you can you can still expand it. Yeah. Uh, you can add you know hilarious tags here and there, or like uh, some physical comedy. Yeah. Um, just intertwine that, but um, don't try to get on a soapbox. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> nobody wants to hear. It. And it's funny because living in that house, we lived in that house on Twenty Seven Thurlstane Road. Uh, in nice. uh, you Edinburgh. That tatted? Yeah. <laughs> I just remember texting that to a lot of bitches. <laughs> Mostly the male comics. Uh, that <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much it. It's like people. I, it, it's f- so funny, Shrew, because I, you were like, you know, Brendan put this together. Is the chance of a lifetime? Like you were being very nice, but the truth is that this was such a. If I can, if I can organize this, then like literally anybody can go do this. <laughs> right. I mean, th- that's the best part of it. So like you you opened up, um, you opened up this door that you made it possible. Yeah. You know, it's like when when I saw the Hannibal documentary. Um, and read up on the uh, the French festival. I was like, oh, okay. So this is just like something that you know big names do or whatever. It's like it's it's a huge deal. But at the same time, uh, it just didn't it, it intimidated me. Yeah. And so, and seeing you like able to like put it together and go through with it and make it happen, uh, that that just enhanced my perspective on the whole thing. And just, yeah, it, it it actually motivated me. It was like, okay, well. Um, even if I can't do it better than Brennan, like it, you can do it and you should do it. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate you saying that because I think that I, the pride that I've taken of it from it has been, uh, and it was fun and it was, I got a ton of material also and like it was a great time and I was very yeah, excited. So I to saw have you, I got to see you perform at Hamburger Mary's. Oh yeah. And that was, that was a phenomenal set. Oh yeah. Thanks and, man. Um, and, and I think it's like it's a lot of it took away from your Edinburgh experience. Oh yeah, and and I'm sure when once you came back, um, you it was rip roaring right back into American audiences. You were like, okay, yeah, I, you know. Let, uh, I remember let, I got back. It's funny it. you should say that because I got back and I remember the first set I did after coming back from Edinburgh was at uh, Blarney. Uh huh. And I was hosting. Yeah. And I got up and I started doing some material. And it didn't, like, the Blarney audience was like, what? And, like, just didn't really get on board with it. And I remember I was... It's usually the Blarney audience I was, anyway. Oh, yeah. That totally is them. <laughs> and I was stone cold. I was like, I don't give a fuck if you don't like this. Like, I just went. I just kept going. And they eventually... You have not seen the thing I was I've like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, you think you intimidate me with your silence? <laughs> You pieces of shit! You don't know anything. You, yeah. you don't know what silence is. Yeah, wait, wait until you get a silence in a packed audience in a dungeon. Okay, at day twenty-five of your motherfucking, you know what I mean? And uh, the press is there that night. Like, right. <laughs> you think I care about your silence, Chicago? <laughs> All right, bringing oh up your, bringing up your next comic. <laughs> All right, thank you guys. Well, anyway, starting the show out. Yeah, <laughs> that's so bad. Oh man, that's funny. But the pride that I've taken from it is that Colin Unger's going, um, Dave Marr, uh, who I mean, and Dave Marr would have maybe gone anyway, but he contacted me and I put him in touch with a bunch of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jeremy Scipio is going oh, okay. from L.A., but right, right, and uh, he contacted me and was talking about it, and um, 
just a whole bunch of uh, you know Chicago yeah. comics this year have been like, I think I really want to go do this. It's also fun to go back and read the experiences of other um, well-established comedians. Yeah. Um, uh, Hari Kanabalu. Yeah. He had a comment that um, I'm going to misphrase right now, but he was talking about uh, experience in at the French Festival. And he was like, well, in uh, Edinburgh, Scotland, the audience is white, the skies are gray, and I am brown. <laughs> and that was him just encapsulating his entire run there and, and oh, just implying that's like, great. yeah, they're not following a lot of the stuff I'm saying. And yeah, that's, that's just what it's like over there. Um, they just want to see, they, you know, Sean Patton. Were you there when Sean Patton did the Chicago show? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sean Patton was taught. We were talking about it afterwards, and he, um, he was like, "Yeah, it's just, uh, it's really, they don't give a shit. They like don't. they don't care about your American whatever. <laughs> like they want to see they. They're a working class, like Scottish and sometimes English audiences, which is amazing because I, I, whenever I watch clips of uh, Just for Laughs." They seem to be as American as American audiences. Yeah, they're getting you know they're getting the references. They're, yep, they're on board with your whole setup, yep. and um, they're following you from beginning to end, which is which is just astounding that um, you know even though Canadians are very similar to to Americans in time in terms of like um, current events, um, just uh, humor, humorous beliefs and all that. So it connects both of those societies real well, uh, but at the same time, comparing that to yeah, s- you know, UK, Scotland yeah. and the rest of the UK who s- speak the same language, they're just on a whole other totally different, other yeah, platform. totally different pla- yeah, planet. Yeah. And it's funny because that's the answer to the question of what was Iceland like compared to Scotland. Everybody in Iceland gets all the references. Okay, it, it felt it was the weirdest fucking place I'd ever been because it felt like a very bizarre c- cross between Scotland and like really Northern Canada. Oh, okay, like, and okay, I've yeah, been yeah. to, I've been to really far North Canada for work before. Um, and I've done a little bit of comedy up there. The, f- the furthest comedy North I've ever done is in a place called Prince George, uh, Al- Alberta. <laughs> oh no, 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 pardon me. It's not Alberta. It's a uh, Saskatchewan. Okay. And, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Tomato, tomato, Alberta, Saskatchewan. <laughs> and, uh, I've done comedy way up there, but the furthest north in Canada I've been is a town called Yellowknife in the Northwest Territories, which is like 200 miles south of the Arctic yeah, Circle. Yeah, yeah. Reykjavik is actually even closer to the Arctic Circle. So it's weird because it feels very much like this is a bizarre northern Canadian right, town. Right. Everybody speaks English. Um, they have a similar kind of strange small town, middle of nowhere mm-hmm. mentality. But at the same time, it's a bizarre international city because people fly in there from all over the world. And then... Everything looks, the buildings look very similar to like Scotland and very similar to like everything's, um, I don't know. It's like it, it's just as its own little, you know, space. And they have a lot of relationship with Scottish comedy because it's only a two hour flight from Reykjavik to Edinburgh. Okay. Yeah. And so they fly down there a lot and they get a lot of Scottish comedians up, which I think is interesting. But they got all the references. They understood everything. They, the only thing that was a little bit strange to them was I think that the intensity with which Americans tend to do comedy, uh-huh. it was a little bit much for them. And that that's also true of Scottish audiences, that if you get up on stage and you display a lot of emotion, English, British audiences are like, Oof. like <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time for this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ooh, this is very uncomfortable. <laughs> like, 
this 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 fellow is quite worked up. <laughs> yeah, like, like they just they just don't really get on board with any of that. And the same thing is in Iceland. Is if you get worked up, they kind of are like, uh, okay, and like. But other than that, like they're pretty much on board with anything that you're doing in the, in in the same way as a Canadian or American audience might be. What tips did you give uh, anybody going to the fringe this year? Uh, quit comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I just I was number kinda, one rule of comedy. I maybe. told Jeremy Scipio, and uh, I didn't tell Dave Marr this because I didn't think it was an issue with him. But they like narrative. They mm. really like stories. I did tell Dave Marr that that they really like are stories. They try, are they trying to do like a entire themed? Well, sort Dave of? Marr is doing his uh, show from um, the uh, the the fucking coma show where he was in a coma for a year oh. because he was diabetic and he just kind of passed into a coma. It's right, a, right. a long story. And he, he had to relearn to walk and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. that kind of shit, uh, the Edinburgh audience is going to eat up like, oh my God, they're going to... Like a diabetic with cookies. Yes, they're going to pass right out. Yeah, yeah it's going <laughs> to... He's going to murder those audiences actually. <laughs> okay. And uh, <laughs> so that one I didn't have a... I wasn't concerned about because I knew he would... That's where his show is going anyway. But uh, they're gonna love that a lot. Well, they'll, they'll know what to expect from the the flyer. And oh, totally, the t- the totally, title of the totally. Show. So, they'll get yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. yeah, his his the brand is gonna be really strong there. Yeah. And uh, I put him in touch with um, Elliot Simpson and Elliot Nadell Cliff. And oh, I think yeah, he's yeah. Li- he might be living with them this year. Okay. Um, and uh, who were three comedians we we lived with over in Edinburgh when we were there, and they're all British, of course. So and then Jeremy Scipio, I just said, just be aware that your race material is not going to work. Mm-hmm. Like they're, mm-hmm. you're going to have to explain it in a very slow, methodical fashion to them in order to get yeah. them on board with the idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and if you really get right into it, or you have any emotion wrapped around it, it's going to make them feel very uncomfortable, and they won't laugh uh-huh. uh, because that just happened nonstop. Like right, after, right, right. Because after you had left, I think Josh got there, St. James got there, Nick Ogle got there. Um, I'm trying to think who those three dudes, of course, Bill, who had been there the whole time and any of their and even Aaron McDavis, like any of their race material, mm-hmm, none, mm-hmm. none of it worked. And mm-hmm. it was so weird to actually see bits that St. James crushes with so hard yeah, in Chicago, exactly, exactly. just not work, period, in front of packed rooms in Scotland. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> he was so angry. <laughs> <laughs> and rightfully so, because he's just like. You know, it's not me. You know, it's I know. I know this. Is I funny. know this is funny. I know this is funny, and and but you know, I, I, can you imagine kind of a, this must be being like a porn star with like a great dick, and then like <laughs> one day you just go to a different place and just women are like, "Buh!" Like it's too big, and you're like, "Yeah, or, yeah, or whatever." Yeah, or just yeah, not into it, dude. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Like you feel it, just the existential crisis that because I knew it was challenging for St. James because he was like, "What the fuck, man? Yeah, right, right. Like, what do I do?" Yeah. <laughs> and, and and coming out of that, it's like you're not gonna, you're obviously not gonna just scrap everything and just morph all your material into something that makes that audience laugh. Uh, what you come out of it with is like this whole different impression of, "Hey, if I'm gonna take this material on a." anywhere outside of the the country, I'm going to have to make some changes. Yeah. You know, or not even changes. I'm going to b- build that following yep. that are, that's going to come out to see me. Yep. And not because I'm performing on a festival and they had a two-hour window in yeah. their whole fucking day. I think it also f- forces you to confront your own relationship with the context of that material. 
Yeah. And and it forces you to ask a bunch of questions. And doing comedy outside of the country, I think, causes you to have to reflect on those references and those things like, wait, why is this funny? Why do I think this is funny? Why do I think this is even worth talking about? Right, right. In ways that you haven't had to do before. No, not at all. Because out here, uh, you know, doing mics and like showcases, you're, you're bouncing between four and ten minutes. Yep. Uh, sometimes 12, 15, if you, if you get a chance to. But like between four and ten minutes, you're... You're not. You don't get that chance to sit down with your stuff yeah. and like actually think about it. Yeah. You know, you're just creating something that works, uh, and then building to the next thing, the next bit, or yeah. whatever. And then you slap it together and you just throw it in front of a uh, Wednesday night bar crowd and you go home with two dollars. Yeah, and so, it either yeah. works or it doesn't. And and it, and if it and if it only kind of works most of the time, that's actually sort of okay. Yeah. And it's weird because how, what was the longest you did? Twenty minute sets, I think, in Edinburgh. Did you do any thirty minute sets when we were there? No, no, no. I think uh, I think they were all well. Yeah, most of them were just like fifteen, twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but a couple times a night because you were doing my show and Bill's show and then the Chicago yeah, that, show. Yeah, that was that was something that I never got a chance to do before, and that was amazing. Just like you know, doing one one set here and then running over doing another set in another place and getting you know that sort of workflow going. And that yeah, one, yeah. It was like it was pretty cool, and it's funny because when you get that much time, like k- jokes that were mediocre before, y- you can start running into real problems because you're like, if I do this f- five minutes into a ten to fifteen minute set, yeah, I got to deal with this mess that I've made now for ten more <laughs> minutes, like <laughs> on stage, and the audience hates me, and I hate me, uh-huh. and now we're just in this, uh-huh. and then <laughs> we're we in have this to together, figure yeah. out how to work through it. Like that's what, and it's so funny because you can totally create a tribe with the audience by going, wow, I suck. This is really, I'm making this really awkward for us. I mean, I'd have nights where I'd have people, I'd have, you know, 10, eight audience members and I could tell that six of them did not want to be there. Uh uh And it was so weird because they're so polite. They won't leave. (laughs) Yeah. And you're like, you're just in this for 40 (laughs) more minutes now. And then you'll run into those, uh, those group of uh, Italians that even though they're, they're, they're just out there probably wasted and just just want to be somewhere where they are like all right we'll talk about this just after get the energy get the yeah. energy they're still enjoying themselves oh and my god this is the greatest night of comedy i've ever had exactly <laughs> and when you're connecting with them um even though even if you realize like hey they're not really laughing at the material they're laughing at the space that they're in oh and like yeah you know this this energy we we share in this this dumb room oh my god <laughs> um, that brings you back. That's like okay, I, yeah. You know, you you get to, and that's that's something that you get to to have fun with. I just remember my 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 that was that that night of comedy was amazing. That was a big lesson because I was like, oh, it's not about me. No, like, no, exactly. <laughs> I'm just lucky enough to be the guy here when this is happening, <laughs> and I'm not screwing it up right now. <laughs> right, right, like, right. Because I could have done wrong things in that moment, but I did. I just did the right things. Right, right. But it wasn't really. About, <laughs> it wasn't about me at all. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's it's being at a party where if you knock something over, uh, people are not gonna look over at you and just glare. Yeah. If you knock something over. It's, they're gonna just laugh. Yeah. They're like, "Oh, Brennan, knock you know, you knock the pot <laughs> off. Oh, Brennan, uh, we're oh, glad man. to have you." Oh, man. Man. Like, all right. <laughs> and then, like, I just remember my second or third night there. Uh, I just i I remember waking up the next day and being like, "I have to rewrite my whole fucking show. Like, I have to, <laughs> I have to. I, this is none of this is gonna work. Like, it was so bad. I had like really, I had a couple of really dark moments where I was like, 
And you're and the thing that's crazy about it is like it it the only way out is through. Like you yeah. can't. Yeah. And I was like I couldn't look at myself in the mirror and be like I have to I'm I can't leave. <laughs> like I can't. No, you can't walk away. Yeah. Oh my god, it was so rough, man. Uh, I mean, and it was it was a great learning experience and all of that. Um, I had a profound moment. Not to switch this back to previous topics, but it was interesting because it was a real. It was the first moment of my life where I went, holy shit, white privilege is real. And it was when you got stopped. They almost didn't even let you into the country. Right, right. Um, that didn't happen to like anybody else. <laughs> I uh, I had to go as far as pointing the show out in the, in the catalog of fringe events. Um, well, not just that. I think you had to. You told them that, or you told me that you had to show them your Facebook messages yeah, to I, prove that I had messaged you because right. my name was in the fringe program. Exactly, your name was in the fringe program. Um, but obviously, you know, none of the other Chicago comedians were because we were just ragtag group yeah, that were yeah. coming in. Um, By the way, the reviews for that show were not good. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, they were, they were so bad, man. <laughs> oh, I got to read those sometime. I know, they're you know? so good. Um, just just, to, the ones for just to make my porn star dick get even smaller. Get even smaller. <laughs> the ones for Bill's show were the worst, and I'm... <laughs> I'm going to frame them and send them to them because, uh, I mean, they are... Those are the greatest. They're yeah. straight bad, Sharoop. Really? <laughs> yeah. People, people were like... What, what was the best review you got? Uh, I didn't get one, interestingly. Didn't get one. No, I didn't get one. So This I, came from press? Or? Yeah, this came from like pr- people that came to like review, reviewed Bill's show and reviewed the Chicago Comedy Show guys, but I didn't even get one. What was the best one for the Chicago one? Uh, there, there, it didn't exist. There, <laughs> was, there, was, there was no good one for the Chicago showcase. <laughs> Uh, oh shit! But here, here's the thing. Like next, you know, if there if there's ever another Chicago showcase, you should promote it with those reviews. Oh, I you better and just believe reverse. I'm gonna, you, you better believe reverse I'm psychology. Do that. The whole thing. Oh be god, like, it was oh, so. This is really bad. I gotta check. Oh, it, it was so bad. I mean, the reviews <laughs> were just like this show shouldn't exist. Like it was, it was dark. Um. So no. So anyway. So you had to. They were gonna not let you into the right, country. Right. So your name was the only thing on there, and so they were. Uh, at first, they're like, "Are you, are you a paid performer here?" And I'm just thinking, "Well, I don't think so. I don't think Brendan mentioned any payment <laughs> for this." But but then, I didn't want to make the mistake of saying that because that just ruins the whole alibi. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're like, "Oh well, then why the fuck are you here?" Yeah. Then why the fuck are you here? You're do you're performing for free. Who the fuck does it? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Apparently, you don't understand comedy, <laughs> <You're> right, sir. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had to I had to pull up all these uh, receipts of like you messaging, uh, and um, thankfully, you know the the subject said Chicago Comedy Showcase oh, in good. Edinburgh Fringe yeah. Festival, August twenty seventeen. <laughs> yeah, being as specific as possible, and um, just proving to them like, hey, I I'm actually here as a performer, and I'm not just sneaking into the country as you know like. An American vagabond would like I, I had an American passport. Like, why would you know things weren't that bad? I was trying to escape year one of, 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 of <laughs> Trump, Trump nation. Yeah, know? I'm seeking asylum. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if they would have let you in if you had just yeah. Listen, I'm just trying to get away from a very <laughs> bad situation. I hear I can get lost in this festival. <laughs> oh boy! But that, that, yeah, that 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 took me back to my previous traumatic experience of. Uh, getting denied at the uk border that blew my mind that you told me that that it was like because that was and it's weird not to make this about me but it was just fascinating because it was the first time i was ever like oh shit this is a complete i live in a world where i don't even have to think about this problem yeah yeah uh and i never i never thought i had to think of it either because like again coming from oklahoma and I, I didn't run into this any any sort of uh, yeah why would you have 
cross point where it's like, hey, um, do you do you have any papers uh, allowing your own existence in this in this area? So um, and even going abroad back to Bangladesh or just flying um, to any of the layover countries uh, on our way there, uh, they would look at the American passport and be like, hey, it's it's cool. It just come through. Wow. And then once I got to the UK, <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. Um, yeah, I don't have that boarding pass printed <laughs> out. Um, I can, do you have internet access? I can pull up my itinerary for you. And that, that was just a, that was the whole wall. That, that didn't, I just I can't imagine. That. It's so weird, man. I just, it's hard to imagine the fear that that must instill anytime you then go to cross another border sometime. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I was in Mexico back in April and I, I didn't think that was going to happen again. Um, and, and then it, it happened again. No, it didn't. It didn't. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Go, you know, going through custom, well, coming back and going through customs. Uh, it's a breeze now. It's just, you know, tap a screen and just, yeah. Uh, you know, answer no. Yeah. Nobody. <laughs> yeah. They don't give a shit in Chicago. You can just beep, 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 right, right. And then and you're done. Yeah. You're just, you're just going through a self checkout lane and that's, <laughs> that's not what it was like back in 08 when, uh, um, when I'm, when I was going to, to the, to Europe and then coming back. So I don't know. It's, I, I've learned my lesson and in, in terms of like, uh, prepare yourself just yeah. to have receipts. I have in the last it's a little bit weird though because in the last this past year with the exception of Iceland which they didn't give a shit at all Mm -hmm. like they were just like yeah come on and like that was it (laughs) they don't care if you're gonna stay how long you're gonna stay there's a bunch of expats who are Americans there who left when Trump got elected Uh and they're still there as technically as tourists and they don't they don't don't, care they don't care yeah Yeah, they don't give a shit they're like you're yeah you're how long is uh, the visa good for. Uh, ninety days. 90 it's like days. the okay. same as the the U.S. deal yeah. with the U- with the Greater European Union, and um, but they don't care. Like they, you, you, there's guys over there. There's a guy named Joseph Van Sickle who's a comedian, uh-huh. and he's still there as a tourist technically, and he has a job, <laughs> and he like shouldn't have one. He's but raising like, two families. Nobody, yeah, <laughs> as a tourist. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean nobody cares, and uh, that's just the way that Iceland is. But both France and the U.K. when I went there both times uh, earlier this year were very like just mm-hmm. pinging me with lots of questions. Like I was in France in January, I think. And uh, yeah, I think it was January. And they just at the border, just all these questions. And I was like, I'm here as a tourist. I'm a comedian. I'm doing three comedy shows. Like, and they're like, did wait, you, did you have to show them like the receipts of the, the bookings or any, any of that? Um, I did not have to do that, but they really got into asking me very specific questions right. on when and where these comedy shows were. Right, right, right. And that was kind of, and, but the guy also was like, well, so are you a tourist or are you a comedian? And I was like, I can't be both. <laughs> like, right, what? Right. <laughs> like, like if you're here as a comedian, sir, you're not allowed to attend any monuments. <laughs> right, like, right. Do, do not make fun <laughs> of. <laughs> you are good. What are you, goddamn comedian? <laughs> we are so tired of comedian. <laughs> No, get back. We are right, no right. denied. Interdit. No, yeah, leave, right, right. my friend. Get back on l'avion et go et allez à, à les États-Unis. <laughs> like it just was. They were so weird, and they were. They kept asking me all these questions about like what shows, and I'm like, what kind of comedy? And I'm like, stand up comedy, and and this is all in French, and like so. You it, you were doing this in French. Yeah, nice. it was, it was yeah. stand up comedy. Je, je suis yeah. un comique. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Je fais les blagues en France de la publique. Yeah. And they were like, oui, ou, ou, dites ou. une blague. Yeah, maintenant, <laughs> maintenant, maintenant, monsieur. <laughs> um, non, il y a rien de comédie à France. <laughs> Ça c'est un sérieux pays. No, il, est, so. il est interdit de rire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just so ridiculous. And so this guy made me be like, where are they? 
and um, what the so I I named all the places I was doing comedy at. And like, and this is after getting off of a fucking international flight. Right, so your right. brain is like <laughs> not, and just, they're looking for any little inconsistency. Uh-huh, and I, uh-huh. You have, yeah. If you can't play 21 questions. And the know. thing I realized that my mistake was that I had a mustache when I <laughs> tried to go through the border. It was a real mistake. And that, uh, that's the red flag right <laughs> there. Yeah. Le- the, leave the mustache to the pros. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh my God. So, but then the UK was even worse because I went through and I was doing same thing, three shows, uh-huh. and they were like, "What are you here for?" And I was like, "Well, <laughs> I'm here for comedy, but I'm also seeing my family." And they were like, "Well, which is it?" <laughs> it's the same <laughs> kind of thing. You you can't be you don't you can't have multi purpose. Yeah. To your to your visit, you yeah. can't, you got to be there just for like securing a deal. Yeah. You have you have to be there to be present for an event. Yeah. And or you're there. With a selfie stick, like you, you can't combine all three of those yeah. into like one one visit. Yeah, and that that they won't accept. They can't that. for some reason. It's a bizarre like, and they're like, "Well, how long are you to be here?" And I'm like, "I don't know, like ten days." Like, and they're like, "What? Wait, what do you mean ten days?" Which I've learned is an incorrect way to answer that. Like, you can't be ambiguous. <laughs> yeah, about your stay. You have to be exactly. You got to be here you, exactly. You have to tell them exactly. The date, time, down a second when you are GTFOing. Yeah, see, that's exactly what they did to me. Is that they, I was going through, and this woman's like, "Well, when are you leaving?" And I said, "I uh, ten days, I think." And she was like, "Do you think when are you leaving?" And I said, "It's the date, the flight out is." <laughs> and I like told her the date, and she was like, "Do you have the the yeah, boarding pass with course, you?" And I yeah, pulled yeah. up my phone to show it to her, and she was like, "Well, where are you going to be staying?" And I was like, "Ah, uh, in London until Friday, and then I go to Oxford for two days." And she's like, "Well, where are you staying?" And I'm like, "The Tower Gloman Hotel." And like, I like, I, and she has the thing in front of her. Like, I, I had I, to put all my information. I flunked on it. that test with flying <laughs> colors because when I was when I was going to the UK the first time, I was yeah. visiting friends. I had just done a study abroad program in France, and they were living. They were they were doing a second stint in uh, at Oxford. Yeah, and so I was going to go up there and visit them and just hang out in uh, London for a few days. So. Took uh took the bus up because that was cheaper than doing um, the channel. Yeah. And uh, first checkpoint was the French checkpoint. They were cool. They're like, you know, you're leaving France, so we don't. Really yeah, we care. don't give a shit. Yeah. yeah. And then the second checkpoint was, of course, the British one, and that's the one they were asking, like, okay, who are you visiting? Like my friends who are studying at Oxford, and then they're like, okay, well, do they have contact numbers? And like, um, well, not really, because they're studying abroad, but they're at Oxford, and here's the number for Oxford. And then they're like, oh, well, okay, well, what are you staying? Well, I think I'm crashing with them. Yeah. <laughs> and just like all I'm these. I'm not really sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, when, when, when are you leaving? And this is probably what did me in because I was like, oh, um, I think I'm leaving in five days or maybe four. I haven't bought my return ticket yet. Oh, yeah. That's probably what t- that's, killed it. That's what, yeah. you know, killed the Wait whole Wait a minute. A yeah. brown person without a plan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so you you can't you can't bring a half baked idea to the British customs yeah. no like no at the, no at the border control no like, n- not at all <laughs> <laughs> and that was that was when uh, I didn't realize at the moment because I was I'm an American you know I was trying to flat flaunt that privilege yeah. of being an American like I'm an American like this is uh, this is balderdash and this is you know yeah this is hogwash and uh, you know other American terms that. <laughs> <laughs> Did not do me any favors, uh, but like I was just, I was just completely shocked that yeah, that was the first time where my passport was Didn't, invalidated yeah. just because they saw me as someone that was not um, 
convincing enough yeah as a as a traveler it just was it was it's, it just was very weird to go through i had never had that happen to me like that and it, it recalled me because this was just back in um may of when um when the situation in edinburgh because i was like shit shrewd almost didn't even make it like yeah and then and they, they, they the woman like barely let me into the country and she was just kind of like, where are you doing comedy? And I had the same kind of thing. I, I remember to, uh, St. James just got his passport. Right? Yeah, right he had literally he just got his passport. And was, there, was there something with his name? I can't remember. Yeah, right. his dad has had stolen his identity. Right, right. And his dad had taken out a whole bunch of different like things. And yeah. like St. James has had to go through this identity theft shit. And, but did they give him any issues? Uh, no, and part of the reason is because Bill's dad, who's a, lo- a, a not just a lawyer, but a fucking high-powered, serious right, lawyer, right. wrote, uh, contacted his friends who were like immigration, whatever, State Department-related lawyer people who wrote letters to the right people in the yeah, State Department exactly. to get that cleared. Right, right. But it was like, if that didn't happen, St. James wouldn't have been able to go either. Yeah. I mean, there was a number of things that almost didn't happen. Every project I've been involved with <laughs> has been such a near-run thing, Sharoop. Sounds about right. Like, yeah, this yeah. this this project in, in Iceland, I had to fire a childhood <laughs> friend oh. who was DP of the project the first day of the project. Oh, wow. Yeah, and yeah. We didn't have a plan B, so yeah. I stayed up all night long messaging directors of photography in Iceland and uh, finally somebody agreed to do the project. We uh, met the next day and they were like right on yeah, top of yeah. it. And it turned out great. Like I that was actually the best thing that could have happened. Mm-hmm. But every time like Edinburgh was like this. Yeah. Like yeah. every fucking project I've ever been on. I, I it doesn't expect, matter how yeah. well you plan it. Like, no, never. Yeah. It's some something will come up that just throws everything out of whack and it, it, what sucks as uh, you know, producing shows that you're performing on is that you have to wear both hats. Oh yeah, and so you have to uh, <clears throat> uh, just make sure it, it it's running and everyone's there, but at the same time just handle all these logistical issues. Exactly. Yeah, and it's funny because I think that the more I'm in, the more I want to do. The, I look forward and I'm like, on projects I'm working on moving forward, all I want to do is just be the guy who's in front of the audience or in front of the camera. Yeah, like I don't. Yeah. I, I don't want to... I want to have somebody else handle all the other stuff. Of course. Yeah, yeah. And like... Because that's the stuff that's the biggest headache. Mm-hmm. And it's fun in its own way, but it's like... If the point if of this is... it's going right. Yeah, <laughs> if it's going right, it's great. <laughs> 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 oh, man. That's so funny. Uh, actually, we should probably wrap up because I'm running up on time on this uh, recorder, actually. Uh, but this has been a great conversation, man. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, dude. Of course. We need to hang out more often. I... I uh, you know, we don't. I don't get to see you often enough. I think, and uh, partially because I'm just a, I'm just super busy lately. But <laughs> I mean, I am. I just everybody. No, has, it is. It's it, that's the schedule. I mean, like I said, that Outcasted show that we've been doing, getting us three together for the show is, is the a biggest feat challenge. Of itself, yeah, you know, it's funny because like everybody has projects going on, and everybody's project. It's because like three years ago, I met you. I met you. Just out doing mics, and then you had me do the joint lounge, and that yeah. was like <laughs> almost that was like th- almost three years ago. Yeah, yeah, R R I P the joint. <laughs> <laughs> and I w- and then like it's just funny how you can go from in a few years you go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, and then you're like, wow, there's pe- people have real projects going on. You guys yeah. have a U.S. tour. You're doing major right, cities, right, right. sold out shows. Uh-huh. Like all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's 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 it, and it's fun. It's really amazing to see people that you know do more stuff. 
It is cool. It, it's really cool because you don't, you know, especially when you catch up with, with someone like we just did. Um, it, it it's painful sometimes when you're when you're catching up with someone. You don't want to be the first person to be like, oh, I'm doing this, this, and that, and this. And then the other person's like, oh, okay, that's cool. Oh, yeah, that's cool, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm watching like the next season of Shannara <laughs> right. MTV. Right, right. Uh, you heard of Meet the Enemy? <laughs> 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 um, uh, but, but it comes, you know, if they're doing as much stuff as you are, then it's cool because you get to talk, you know, you, could t- you talk about your projects, you, you learn from what's gone wrong. You know, oh, yeah. What's, what's, and you celebrate what's gone right. And then from that, you just move on. The, the, next the biggest lesson I've ha- I've taken away from the comedy in Chicago and comedy in general in my last few years being really serious about it is get the fuck out. <laughs> get to, is quit comedy. Is <laughs> it's always better to do the thing than not do the thing. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't know what you're doing, that's f- totally doesn't fucking matter. No, Nobody knows what they're doing. No, no, and yeah. you're and just go do it anyway. Yeah. And it's probably going to be a giant mess. And every, and, 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 and weirdly, it, you'll turn, get, it you'll turns out anyway. You'll reviews on it. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be logged <laughs> somewhere. But it still doesn't matter. Oh, my God. It was so... I mean, I got to show you those reviews. I might link them in the show notes because they're, they're so bad. <laughs> no, I... I re- that'll be something that I will just enjoy reading. Because oh, God. It's not something you... For me, personally, it's not something I'll read and be like, oh, God, like, I fucking hate myself. Like, I, why did I do this? Like, why, you know, I'm sorry. I want to apologize to all these people. It's like, no, we, you showed up and we presented what we had for you and you didn't like it. Cause you just didn't like it. <laughs> you just didn't like it. And we had fun either way. That's, yeah, a thing, yeah, that's yeah. the thing that I loved about it. I never had a bad night in that city. I mean, I, it, I mean, I had a couple of nights where I was like, shit, I don't know if comedy's for me. Right. Right. <laughs> like, but well, I never had a but bad that comes up. Anyway. Yeah. And yeah. then, yeah, that would have happened in Chicago. Yeah. And, and everybody had a blast. We all went out drinking, having fun, like, you know what I mean? Like, just, mm-hmm. we had a good time. There were some good photos of us at that Pilgrim place or whatever that, around yeah, the corner yeah, it's, on Cowgate. Exactly. It's it's something that, uh, you know, it's, like I said, it was once in a lifetime because it could, that could have been the only time that me personally uh, had the, had the, would have the chance to even go there yeah. and perform in Scotland. So, um just be, just being able to say that yeah I did it yeah you know I I got I went up there and like uh, just sh- shred my myself to bits <laughs> in pieces <laughs> and like left still with something intact yeah yeah you know? yeah oh man well Sharoop, where can everybody get at you um uh, you know social media I guess Twitter Insta uh, it's just at Sharoop. Um three U's Sharoop. yeah S H A R three U's and a P um. And uh, yeah, just I'll be performing tomorrow night at uh, uh, Token Comedy Show and Lulu Brew Pub. Cool. It's weird saying all that in one <laughs> one sentence. Uh, it's in Pilsen, uh, free show. Uh, it's uh, it's sort of like an all star show of like returning performers. So yep, uh, that'll be fun. And then I'll be featuring at Milwaukee Comedy Festival. Oh shit, uh, man! August third. That, so. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. This will be out before then for sure. So. Uh, if you're in Milwaukee, which my girlfriend's family is, it's it's not Bill's podcast. But it's like no. at the end when I'm plugging stuff, he's like, "Oh yeah, this won't come out in two years, man." So <laughs> <laughs> tell them we'll see you in two years. I'm like, "Oh okay." Um. <laughs> yeah, man. So this will be out. This will be out before then. So that'll be that'll be cool. And uh, August at the Milwaukee Comedy Festival, you'll be featuring. I'll have to make sure I message the Denny's that are living in uh, 
Milwaukee. This is my girlfriend's family because they, oh, yeah. they'll come out and, and check you out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, August 3rd, uh, the headliner is um, Buzz Off Lucille. Nice. Which is all female sketch group from New York. Oh, hell, that's fun. So, yeah, yeah. Um, very excited to um, uh, feature for them and check them out. Nice. Yeah. Uh, it's an all female sketch group from New York. It makes sense to have a feature that's an all female sketch group from Chicago. Shur- <laughs> yes, Shur- yes. Sharoop Kareem. Sharoop Kareem is made up of uh, <laughs> 20 women of uh, varying genders and uh, ethnicities. And uh, we are 401k. Um, <laughs> we are also a uh, union. And <laughs> oh my God! Please, uh, uh, donate, please like don- and subscribe, <laughs> like, and like, donate. Like, like and subscribe. <laughs> you can find us on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Peace. Right. Meanwhile, all the right. madness continues. Everybody. Adios. Thank you.